Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on Twitter at Hashtag Kangaroos or on Instagram at Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. So today I'm once again joined by a Claire Cozzy. Uh, so with Claire today, I'm actually going to do a bit of a men's talk with her, go through and have a bit of fun. She named a few teams on Twitter last week and we're going to go through that. Um, yeah, uh, players that uh, killed us, she named a team um, of that. Uh, players that um, uh, what was the other ones? Uh, players that uh, had potential but never really fulfilled it. Things like that. Um, she named about three teams, so I'll go through that with her. We'll go through a bit of news and a little bit of AFLW news as well there. Um, but before I go through that, I will name uh, a few teams. Uh, a few people put their teams in pretty much just straight after uh, my last episode last week, last Monday. So I'll finish them off, and then I'll get clear on after that. So we'll start with... Daniel at Bookshop Addict. So he named in the back line Aiden Core, Ben Mackay, Luke McDonald. Half back line of Flynn Perez, Griffin Logue, Bailey Scott. Uh, the centre line uh, on the wings, Taron Thomas and Will Phillips. In the middle, Ben Cunnington. Uh, half forward line of Jaden Stevenson, Charlie Common, Harry Sheasel. And full forward line of Curtis Taylor, Nick Larky, Paul Curtis. Uh, followers, Todd Golson, Ruck, LDU Simkin on ball. Uh, interchange. Of George Wardlaw, Jack Zebel, Cameron Zerha, Josh Goda, Callum Coleman Jones as probably the medical or oh, tactical sub, I should say. Now, emergencies he had Aiden Bonner, Tom Powell, Eddie Ford. So that's the first time I've seen Eddie Ford named in a team, even though he is emergency. So very good. And now we've got Fanaki, the ghost at Kukin Funt Darky. So C U C K E N F U. N-T-D-A-K-Y. That's at his Twitter handle, if you can remember that. So he had a back line of Aiden Core, Ben McKay, Luke McDonald. Half back line of Darcy Tucker, Griffin Logue, Flynn Perez. Centre line of Bailey Scott on the wing with Taron Thomas on the other wing. Ben Cunnington in the middle. Half forward line of Cameron Zerha, Charlie Common, Curtis Taylor. Full forward line of Paul Curtis, Nick Larkey, Jack Zebel. Uh, Ruckman... Todd Goldstein, Ruck Rover, Luke Davis Uniac, Rover, Jai Simpkin, on the interchange bench, Jaden Stevenson, Josh Goda, Tom Powell, Will Phillips, and Tristan Sherry. Emergencies, he had Dawson Ford Young. Um, he also makes a note that the spine was easy, the rest um, was a little bit difficult. So a good team there by Fanaki, the ghost. And I got a, a direct message as well from... Six Kino at Six Kino. So he had a fullback line of Jackson Archer, who's been very impressive uh, so far. I'm almost, uh, I think in my version two team, I'll probably have Jackson Archer in there. Ben McKay, Aiden Kaur. Uh, halfback line of Luke McDonald, vice-captain. Griffin Logue, Taron Thomas. Centre line of Bailey Scott, Flynn Perez on the other wing with Ben Cunnington in the middle. Curtis Taylor, uh, Nick Larkey, Jaden Stevenson, a half-forward line. Full-forward line of Cameron Zerha, Charlie Combin, Paul Curtis. Uh, Ruckman, Todd Goldstein, Jai Simkin as captain, Davies Uniac, Rover, interchange bench of Sheasel, Willops, uh, Phillips, Dawson, and Darcy Tucker 
Uh, I think he missed one player as well, just uh, because he had Tucker as a sub, so probably just missed one player in a change bench. But um, yeah, all pretty similar teams with your little different player there. So it'll be interesting uh, if anyone's changed their teams based on uh, things that happen in intra club match on you know, which I'll talk to uh, with Claire about. So I won't hold you up anymore. Um, thank you uh, for for you guys to putting your for you guys putting your teams in so i won't hold you up anymore i'll bring on claire right now all right so once again joined by claire cozzy uh so today claire we're going to do something different we're usually talking about the women's team but i want to get you on to talk about the men's team i know you follow them just as passionately if not more passionately than the uh, women's team um We've got a few interesting uh, points to talk about. Now, we had an intra-club match or match simulation last week. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about a couple individuals. So we had Taryn Thomas playing in the back line. Uh, apparently, from all reports, did pretty well there. Do you think that's a possibility that that could happen throughout the course of the year? And Do you like that move? Yeah, I think I do. I think I do like the move because I think it kind of takes off a bit of pressure um, in terms of his performance. I think Clarko and, and coaches have this really great way of slotting, you know, I think about a sort of a Nick Dacos type kind of move in which you kind of give, you reju- rejuvenate and re-energise the player by maybe changing the role. And I think in terms of like a halfback flanker role, I think that you can learn the game very well. Um, from a strategic point of view, you can learn how to kind of assert yourself from a defensive standpoint and how to set up defensively and how, how to be accountable. But you also learn how to push forward and how to kind of move the ball. Um, so I think it's one of those really interesting roles that I think Alistair Clarkson wants to try with Taron because he, I think he understands the the talent that he has. And I think uh, with Thomas's kind of... Um, injuries, niggles, uh, kind of his mental health break with some stuff that's going on with him. I think the, the way forward for the coaching department and for Taron is to sort of utilise him and build him back with a bit of confidence, use that pace across the half-back line. Um, I, I think it's a good move. I think it's really interesting. I think um, it takes a bit of pressure off. I know that sounds really strange, but North historically with the half-back line have had some very uh, fascinating uh, players down there. And this, uh, this is not an opportunity to kind of, you know, rattle off a few maybe half-back flankers in the time that have not performed as well as they could have. But I think, because um, I think in our head we could kind of list maybe five or six in the modern times. But I think it's an interesting idea. I think throwing him down back, giving him a different role, allowing him to grow within the role um, and understand his importance could, I think, I think it's a genuine confidence booster. Um, and I like the pace. I like – I watched Thomas in the VFL. I was able to get down um, a couple of times. I mean, he's not – he's absolutely not VFL standard in the sense that he is 100% sure right for AFL, but I think – um, he's had a couple of setbacks uh, with his body and maybe with his mind and some personal things. But I think this new role is set to give him a bit of a, a new lease on his football career. Because you forget that I think these players, you know, they, they maybe seem like they've been in the system for a while now, but they still can be a little bit young. Um, and so it's about nurturing the talent, fostering it. And I think that's a really good idea um, to chuck him back there. But what about you? What did you think about it? Yeah, look, I mean, you you mentioned a really key word there, and it, it's pressure. I think yeah. it does relieve 
lot of pressure. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to find the football. The football will find him. Yeah. Unless we stay on his opponent, and we'll, we'll probably look. He'll be that link-up play from behind the ball where you can uh, use his drive. Like you mentioned, his pace. He is very quick. Very good yeah. the football. He can set up the play from behind the ball, which is just a good idea. Um, yeah, I mean, whether that uh, utilises him in the best um, possible area of the ground, I'm not too sure. I still like him in the forward half of the ground, setting up yeah. the play inside 50, but I can understand it. Um, he's had a – yeah, he had a really poor year last year, even when he wasn't um, – yeah, even when he was fit, I should say, and didn't have injuries. He he, saw, he did struggle for consistency compared to his 2021 uh, season. Yeah. So – yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth a shot. I, yeah, I don't know if it was just a, you know, an intra-club thing where he's just going to try him down there because, I mean, we do have Aaron Hall as well. Um, do you think you could play both of them in a team, like uh, both those uh, types of players? It's hard, isn't it? Because yeah. it's almost like it's an apprenticeship between Hall and Thomas in the sense that you want to get to the point where you don't need Hall, Um because Thomas slots into that role very well. I agree with you. He's very classy up forward. He's got a deft touch. And so to be able to use that in the forward half of the ground would be amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, he's Hall, I, I've been seeing, obviously, through Twitter and through social media, you know, everyone's kind of been putting in their best 22. Um, Hall's not in mine. Um, I, I, that's not to say that, I, I, you know, he's um, done any sort of disservice to the club or anything like that. It's more just, I think, if we're picking for the future and you are picking and, and to, you know, to quote Alistair Clarkson, you've got that dash of time where you really want to build the future with a mixture of kind of, you know, veterans like Toddy and, and Zeebel, um, but then also with the Sheasels and the Taron Thomases and the Darcy Tuckers who's come in. I think that, uh, yeah, Hall, if we have a decent season and we're looking towards the future, I dare say that Hall doesn't get over maybe five to eight games. Um, mm. You know, he's there for injury depth, I guess, at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and again, I've really liked Aaron Hall. I think he's done a very serviceable job through the club and, he, and he's been able to perform at a, at a really high level. Um, but again, yeah, like you said, the ball will find him. I think Taron Thomas needs that capacity to build um, and rejuvenate, I guess, a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say his career is in crisis by any means. I just think that for the past 12 months or so, he doesn't – it doesn't seem like, anyway, that he knows what he wants out of football and, you know, he doesn't know where he's going, what he's doing, and he he really needs a coach. And and to be fair to Tony Thomas, he's been in a a period of North Melbourne where there's been a lot of upheaval. Uh, There's been a lot of different coaches and a lot of different strategies and game plans and lots have been going on. So I think the stability that the current coaching staff bring will really help solidify his uh, his spot across the halfback. And then, you know, with the potential of moving forward up the ground, because I do think he's got a beautiful... He reminds me of, um, with his touch... He's, he's like it's some periods of the game is just pure magical and it reminds me of Daniel Wells mm. um, where you just think oh my god the ceiling the talent that is on this kid is just through the ceiling um, but yeah look I speaking of I guess kind of best 22 and practice matches I guess it, it it's and one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is what do we do with Jack Siegel <laughs> You know, like yeah, that was my next question. Um, he's been in the back line. He was in the back line as well. Yeah. I can't fit him in. 
to be honest with you. Oh, you got Aiden Core, Ben McKay, um, Griffin Logue. You know, better than Lockie Young back there. I mean, if yeah. you play Aaron Thomas, Josh Goder, there's a number of options. Like really, yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, I, you mentioned that you've got a best twenty-three. Do you have him in it at the moment? No, I, I no, nah, I couldn't. I tried and I tried and I, I thought because this is the thing I think. Jack Zebo is, again, he's a classic North Melbourne captain. He's an understated performer. He gets the job done. He works incredibly hard. Uh, he's changed himself a, a number of times. Like, you know, he started as a key mid. The game probably outrun him a bit. There was a lot of crash and bash footy that he was about. Um, and then he moved forward and played that kind of deep one-on-one in the square and, and did a lot of contested work. You know, there's that famous, I really like that. I think it's... Ben Brown and him, I'm playing on a good Friday footy where we beat the dogs and he's kicked that winning goal or he's kicked it to Brown. Something very special happened and Jack Siegel ended up being in a score involvement that saw us win a very close game. So, you know, and then, you know, I think it's been seen to see that, you know, him going down back may be an option. But if you think about having Aiden Core, Ben Mackay, a Lockie Young as your backs, as in quite your key three backs, and then you got, you know, Luke McDonald, Griffin Logan, and Taryn Thomas. I mm. don't see how Jack Zebel gets to gets to come in. You know, and like, you know, maybe he's on an extended bench. And then that that kind of, I guess, comes up with bigger questions in terms of, well, if your captain's not in your best starting twenty two, what does that mean about the leadership and what does that look like? So I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I love him. I love Jack Siebel. I think he, he, you know, he's definitely trying to get every inch of talent out of his body and he works incredibly hard. Um, but I just I couldn't squeeze him into my best 22, unfortunately. So a lot of questions about that as well. But the first one is, well, who leads the team then, you know? Yeah, well, who do you think will be captain? I think Jai. I yeah, think I Jai. think so. I think Jai. It wouldn't shock me if it was a Luke McDonald and Jai shared captaincy. I think they've been doing the media rounds. I think um, I think they both make terrific captains. I don't know how I feel about a dual role. Um, I think they're both worthy in different ways. Um, but if I had to say, if I was if I was sports bet at the moment and I was putting money on something, I'd say Jai's at you know a dollar thirty, and I reckon Luke's at maybe a dollar fifty. Uh, I don't think there's much between them, but I, I do think, um, you know, often people say yeah, it's good to have a midfielder in terms of having the leader there to kind of set set the play and, and kind of get the knowledge and understanding from the middle of the ground, from the guts. So, yeah, I'd say, Jai, what do you think? Who do you think will lead North Melbourne in 2023? Yeah, I think Jai Simpkin, uh, probably, yeah, like you said, it's pretty close between him and Luke McDonald. I like Luke McDonald. Uh, is it, look, it, it'll be captain or vice captain either way. Um, yeah. yeah, so probably, yeah, I'd say Jai Simpkin. Um, I suppose the sneaky one is Luke Davis Uniac could be a possibility yeah. as well. But I'm happy for him to just worry about his football rather than worry about uh, media responsibilities and, you know, uh, all those sorts of things. Um, because I think his best football is when he just, you know, when he, he doesn't have to have focus on anything else rather than yeah. just getting the football and setting up his teammates. Yeah, he, he is – I think the one thing in 2022 that I would like to see is I feel like Luke was just coming into his own, like as in he really – it felt like he was going a million miles an hour down the Melbourne Cup straight and he finally kind of got collected some games together and really put him together 
a massive kind of second half of the season and it would have been really great to see him be able to play, you know, in an ideal world, obviously, you'd transfer him over to a club and let him play finals. Like, obviously, he'd come back to North. But, like, as in, I just felt that he was on a really good block of form and footy. Uh, I was kind of disappointed to see that he wasn't didn't have the capacity to play that out. But he is hoping that he can take that kind of form and energy and put it into 2023 because I just think that he was on fire towards the end of the year. He just was so um, – he was a man with a mission. The way that he broke free from packs, the way that he was just so – he put the team on his shoulders and kind of carried them for, for lengths of, of the game and it was just so exciting to watch. And, um, you know, I don't love Chris Judd, but it was like Chris Judd-like. That's what I found him to be. It was just really – that capacity to kind of break three from packs and just run and and kind of hit a target inside 50. And I just thought that was, yeah, incredibly exciting to kind of watch him play um, in what was a pretty bleak year. So a bit of a highlight watching uh, watching him play, Luke. Yeah, I mean, if you had to take a guess over, and un- over or under, uh, 15 Brownlow votes. I know we're jumping the gun a bit here, but uh, mm. over or under, would you – which one would you go with uh, as far as um, that with him? But uh, even though even though the umpires can be a bit unpredictable. Uh, yeah. Well, he's a mid, <laughs> so that's good. Um, I put us down for winning about eight games next year. So for him to – I'm going to – he's going to go over. He's going to go over 15 because I think that he'll poll – when he polls, he'll poll high. He'll poll two and threes. So I think uh, I'm going to go over for <coughs> Luke. What about you? Um, yeah, look, it's a good question. Um, even though I asked it, but <laughs> yeah, look, it's uh, yeah, I'll probably go just over, It'll probably be around 16 to be yeah. honest with you. I, yeah. I think he's just he's a player that stands out as well with the way he bursts out of packs, and yeah, yeah he's a bit of a highlight reel, so yeah, yeah. And like you said, that second half of the year, um, last year, he really was one of the best players in the competition, so we're hoping he can continue that form. He's obviously going to get uh, much more attention now from opposition teams who are going to put a lot more time and effort into him, yeah, um, especially if you're a bit more competitive than you probably were last season. I mean, first half of last season, we're getting done by 10, 10 goals yeah. a game, so. Whereas this year, if we're much more competitive, I think teams will put a lot more effort into him uh, on and off the ball. So, yeah, it's gonna, yeah, he's gonna get a lot more attention. So, yeah, well, um, but I think we'll have, uh, I think Clarkson's a very good coach, and we'll have plans in place for that and and so forth. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's about it uh, as far as much uh, as far as uh, as I want to go with the men's team. Uh, there's not much to talk about it. Uh, Mid-January, to be honest with you. I mean, that's sort of uh, an intra-club match. Um, I wanted to talk to you just quickly about the AFLW team. Now, we've had a big delisting, Sophie yeah. Abitangelo in the women's team. Were you a bit uh, shocked by that one? Um, yes, initially. And then when I found out my male is at Kate Shield or um, St Kilda forwards, also played at Carlton, my male is that she will be coming to the club. Um, that kind of makes more sense, that... They had to delist a forward. Um, I don't love that it's ABBA. I'm still holding out that she might be signed to some sort of draft or rookie list. I'm not sure. I, I was initially shocked um, because I think she had a really great season. I think she um, played really well. She played a really big team role. Um, I think that a lot of her football demonstrated that there was a bit of maturity in terms of the collectiveness as a forward line playing together as opposed to 
worrying about your own stats and, you know, what you're kind of putting on the scoreboard. So, yeah, I was disappointed from a team perspective because I think she does bring a lot. Um, but, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense to me that if Kate Shearlaw is coming across, um, they need to make some movements um, and they're not going to kind of move Vicky Wall, they're going to move Zoe, then Bella Eddy as well. Like when you, you're bringing in a veteran, uh, for argument's sake, in Kate Shearlaw, I think she's about 32 or 33, you kind of have to also get rid of a veteran <laughs> um, so to kind of keep that list um, balanced. So I am a little disappointed. Um, I would like to see her be picked up. Ideally, North, I don't, I don't know what the process is because I think they're still in the process of trying to find a CBA and figure out mm. a fixture and all this sort of stuff. But I would hope, my in my heart of hearts, I'd hope that um, – They'll extend the lists, the squad lists um, for all the teams so they can kind of hang on to uh, a few more players um, and therefore she gets rookied or somehow gets back mm. into the list because, yeah, it's, it's, it was an odd decision uh, for me because I think she brings a lot to the team and, you know, she had some wonderful moments in 2022. So, yeah, a bit of a question mark uh, around that. Well, again, if my mail is correct and... I'm fairly certain about this. When Kate Shearer comes, she's a tall forward. So it's going to be fascinating having Randall King and Shearer in that forward line. You know what I mean? Like that's a that's a fairly tall forward line. So um, it'll be very, very interesting to see kind of what happens and, and what goes from there. And I, um, I'm interested to see how... You know, North were short of a prelim. Or went short of a grand final, to be fair. They, and they lost to the reigning premiers. So good luck to them. But I think they've gone to the drawing board and said, okay, well, what we need to do is is get another tall, which I thought was really interesting because if I look at deficiencies across North Melbourne uh, and what they lack, I never thought it was their capacity to score. North Melbourne has, I think, one of the most potent lists um, in terms of capacity to score in AFLW. So it was interesting that they've gone after Sheardor. Um, and who's a good player. Like, I, I look mm. forward to her in the forward line. I'm just fascinated that that's where they've chosen to kind of target, I guess, a deficiency in the game. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about it? Because I, I was a little shocked, I guess, um, and I'm not sure where to go from here, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I can I can understand it because we do have you know, a couple of young girls as well that we want to you know, give them the opportunity, like a Charlie Granbull, Riley uh, yeah. Savaray, and um, Sophia McCarthy. Um, so I could understand it from that part, but you're probably going for a premiership, and yeah. I think she's she's in your best team, um, yeah. particularly next season. So yeah, I was I was a bit surprised by that, but I could understand it on the other hand as well that they want to give opportunities to the young girls. And it, and it worked pretty well for them last season when we lost a lot of uh, experience in, you know, Bannister, Daisy Bateman, um, yeah. Aileen Gilroy. And we, we gave, you know, the young girls uh, more of an opportunity that really stepped up. So maybe they see something in maybe a Charlie Granville that they want to give yeah. a really good opportunity next season. So, yeah, and if we do get uh, Caitlin Shearlaw as well, then, you know, I mean, it. She's probably on the outer, so it might be doing yeah. her a favour where she gets an opportunity at another club. Maybe she goes to a Hawthorne or, or something like that, you know, a development club where she can, you know, really use her yeah. experience because she is quite fit. Uh, oh, for yeah. a and yeah. Yeah. she's got a lot to offer. Yeah, well, that's it. And I think if 
if that does happen, that's why I'm a bit like, you know, if you're bringing a little bit much on social media, who knows? But, you know, she's still got in her bio that she posts in Northmoland. She's still quite, um, you know, on her social media, it's quite um, heavy with North content and stuff like that. So part of me is thinking maybe there is um, the capacity to pick her up again. Um, but if not, um, I do 100% think that she'll play on at a Hawthorne. Uh, St Kilda, I think, uh, would greatly benefit from having. You know, I've got no Hawthorne, you know, just up and has retired because she's having, she's due to have another another child. So, you know, it would make sense if they're looking for kind of like a key mid-sized forward. That kind of just slots in quite nicely, um, quite well into their kind of uh, best, I guess, 16, I think is what they play with in AFLW. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I would, it would I would hope that no matter what happens, I, you know, it's always sad when, you know, North, North players don't aren't playing for the club anymore. But like Aileen Gilroy, I love following her and watching her story. I love watching Bannister as well and all these other players. And and Cashy, I hope that they do well at the next club and they're successful. Um, but... It is one of those things. It's a bit strange, um, but you're right. You've got your Charlie Granville's. You got a whole bunch of young players that are chomping. Even Sophia McCarthy. Yeah, I didn't even think about her because I think she got mildly injured and then she wasn't able to kind of crack into the best best sixteen anymore. So she kind of and she's quite young. So there's a lot of upside to her and there's a lot of uh, capacity to kind of build her and shape her around what uh, the clubs, I guess sees her in the future. I do think, I was saying um, to my friend, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens at the AFLW um, in 2023 in the sense of the, the fixture and everything because AFL, the, they do a podcast and, you know, they finally gave the nod to North and said, yeah, we definitely had the hardest draw. We definitely got, yeah. you know, kind of kicked in the teeth there. So it'll be interesting to see, given we finished uh, as high as making a prelim, I think in some ways our fixture should be definitely harder in the sense that we play, you know, the top eight teams. But it would be nice to see our capacity, I guess, without sounding too arrogant, to kind of flex our muscles um, upon other teams and really have the capacity to work on different strategies and game plans and, and different systems. Because I know that throughout the season, Melbourne um, premiers were able to kind of really rejig and play around with structures and, and different concepts and ideas when they were playing the kind of bottom half games. Like they had that in-season kind of simulation of what they kind of wanted to try and play around with. So, again, uh, you know, it sounds like I'm very bitter about these things. I'm not at all. I'm more just, I'm more just thinking about for the upside of North Melbourne and, and the capacity to kind of change and play around with different ideas during the game, where it's the best place to do do it, like kind of match simulation against opposition, it would be fascinating to watch North have that ability in 2023, uh, which is something that we didn't. We played Sydney and we played, um, who was the other bottom 18 that we played? Uh, uh, we played, no, Gold Coast finished just outside the eight, didn't they? Yeah, Gold Coast, oh. no, it was Port Adelaide. It was Port, Port Adelaide. Adelaide. Uh, and look, they, they took it up to us for a bit and then, you know, we pulled away. But it would be nice to see, yeah, having a little bit more uh, capacity to change and, and be creative uh, during the games against maybe some of the lower eight sides. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm shopping at the bit for when they drop the fixture and, and when that all gets started again because I was saying to you off air, I feel very... Um, 
Like I know that the players really enjoying the off season. They've had back to back seasons, so they've been really living it up. But I don't know. It feels kind of weird not having AFLW in the middle of summer. It feels a bit strange. So, and now that um, I know this is sidestepping because this is a footy podcast. But did you hear about Nick Kyrgios not playing the Oz Open? I didn't hear that actually. That's oh, I heard he got caught. Uh, oh, he, he, there's been rumours that uh, he was driving a scooter without a helmet uh, through the city. There was CCTV footage of him that, but oh, I haven't heard if he's playing or not. So, uh, hey, um, sorry, I'm tired. I'm tired. So, um, <laughs> no, I heard he put on a press conference. Uh, apparently, he's going under the knife and, and getting his knee looked at, um, which I think, like it or lump it, obviously there's heaps of people in different camps about the curios. Um, I'm neither here nor there. I think he draws a lot of headlines. I think he's a talented athlete. I don't really know much about the guy, to be honest. Um, but I think it's really interesting. I think all the comments beforehand, and I, I'm going to go back to AFLW, I, I promise, but all the comments about the Oz Open was the lack of stars, and now that Nick Kyrgios is not there, he does draw crowds. He draw, he does draw eyeballs, whether you know, hate him or love him, whatever. And I feel like, um, in a kind of you know, I follow a lot of women's cricket, so the women's cricket is still going on, but men's mm. cricket, you've only got the big bash now. You don't have any more international cricket, and it feels like. This is the first time in a very long time that AFLW would have very clean air to sort of play with over the summer. And guess what? They're not playing. <laughs> it's just it's just kind of ironic how it all kind of falls out and whatever happens, happens. Because, you know, you'd, I'd love to be sitting and watching some AFLW tonight or on the weekend. It just seems like it's a really great time to watch it and get kids and families engaged over the school holidays and... Um, yeah, I mean, as it is, like I said, they're, they're very pumped and all the players are very happy to, to not play another season after the two that they just did. But, yeah, it just feels like this would be such a prime time to advertise the game given that, um, yeah, there's a bit of clean out there, air out there. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm not really sitting down and watching Big Bash. No. No, no I, I, not, I'm not a huge 2020 fan. To yeah, be honest, I hate it. I can't stand it. I'm really <laughs> glad watch, you said that. I'd rather watch Test cricket. Uh, yeah. I know it's I know it's uh, boring for some people, but I'd rather watch Test cricket than uh, 2020 cricket. Absolutely agree. Yeah, but yeah. Um, oh look, I, I can understand it from a marketing point of view. I mean, yeah, you, you certainly see a lot more sixes and all that. But uh, I enjoy the mental part of the game more than anything um, because yeah, I've played so. cricket for 25 years or something like that. So, were well, you yeah, a batter or a bowler? Oh, I definitely couldn't bowl. Um, okay. Bats, opening batsman, oh, wicket wow. keeper, middle order sort of. You're a wiki as well. Jeez, how are your knees now? How are you? Um, I didn't start wicket keeping until I was 36 or 37. Oh, okay. so, yeah, so it's not too bad. I only did it for a few years. And, yeah, it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't too bad. So I wouldn't. Yeah. I'd love to be a wiki. I I'm bat. I come in at about four or five, depending, and then I roll the arm over if the quicks need a bit of a break and the captain just needs me to kind of, you know, not bleed 20 runs and over. It's <laughs> like, can you just keep it to 10 this over? I'm like, yep, sure, captain, no worries. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. So you, you batted. Who did you play for, Dean? Uh, I played uh, for I played for Strathmore Heights for 10 years and then yeah, yeah. St. Francis de Sales for uh, about 15 years or something like that. So yeah. up in the Oak Park area. Yeah, lovely. Area. Okay. So, what about yourself? 
Uh, I play in uh, the women's league. Uh, oh God, is it the Diamond Valley? I don't. I play for Greensboro. Oh. My dad, I, oh, dad, my dad hounded me about it because he played there when he was young, uh, and so he just wanted to have it. It was actually it's quite sweet. He wants a father and daughter kind of situation. So I was like, yeah, I'll come down for a couple of games. I'm not like my biggest tragedy in this world, Dean, is that I'm just not good at sport. I love it. <laughs> I, would, I, I would watch anything, every like any type of sport, and have such an appreciation. But my tragedy is that I can't really play. So, um, yeah, T20s, I'm often kind of down on the uh, on the other end trying to run quickly between wickets and try to stay off strike so I don't hog any kind of dot balls or anything. <laughs> um, but I'm very passionate about it and I'm very similar to you. I do have – I have no interest in Nick Bash. I just – I think – and, look, credit to, you know, the teams that are playing. Uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Like, I'm sure they're talented. It's just not a talent that I appreciate. I'd much rather watch – five days or, you know, another thing that I guess makes me feel like we were robbed of AFLW is that we didn't get, like, you know, we, we when we got tests, we got two days at the Gabba, we got rain down in Sydney and then Melbourne was done in four days. Um, you know, Adelaide, I, don't th- I think there was only one test that went to five days. I think it was the drawn one. in No, because I wouldn't even call that five days because it was rained out for three yeah, days. Yeah, it was so, rained. Yeah, I just feel like in a, uh, you know, in a, block of time that had you know that that is clean air it would have been so good to have some aflw on um at this Mm. current moment but that's okay i'm sure that they're all the players are having a massive uh deserved break and kind of it also gives like you know players who have got long-term injuries the capacity like someone like brit benici and brie davy who play at collingwood they have the capacity to kind of actually be ready for the 2023 season as well but um yeah, it'll be really fascinating to see how North kind of go about the trade season and what they do and and where they kind of look at their deficiencies and, and how they, you know, because you're not, they're not, you know, bar like that one third quarter where Melbourne were just able to kind of repel us um, and make sure that, you know, that they can it just, yeah, it feels like we were super unlucky in 2022. So I'll be very interested to see how um, the club goes about trying to find maybe that missing piece of the jigsaw um, yeah. to turn to three. Yeah, hopefully. Um, probably just start converting a couple more inside 50s in that third quarter and oh. <laughs> it might have been a different story. But, uh, oh, well, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah. it is what it is now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, in saying that, Steph Kiochi um, sort of tweeted uh, she's probably happy that she's not playing at the moment because of the hot weather. Yeah. Um, probably enjoyed um, just having to, you know, playing that season. And it pretty much didn't get too hot for us until probably a couple of weeks ago. It was still good weather in December when the finals were going on. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a better time of year for the AFLW. But I get your point as well that, um, yeah, we don't have – yeah, we'd love to be watching football right now. Um but, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, yeah. It's, it's a it's a happy meeting, isn't it? When, yeah. you, know, you always want what you can't have, and I just feel like start of, stars have suddenly aligned, and this would be such a good block of time for the women to be able to be out there and um, you know perform. But that being said, you know it's 39 degrees tomorrow in, in Melbourne, so I don't think mm-hmm. anyone wants to be doing some sort of you know training or playing in that kind of heat. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be very fascinated to see how the, the big improvers, I definitely think someone like Brisbane uh, have, they'll be, I mean, they they sunk the unsinkable. They kind of did the Titanic in the sense that 
they've lost the unlose. Oh, that that'll be the worst loss in their. The, honestly, I swear by this. This that'll be the worst loss in their history of their club, and they'll be out with a vengeance in twenty twenty three to kind of prove to everyone that you know, they didn't just duck themselves out of a flag. Um, so yeah, I've I've got high hopes. I'm very fascinated to see um, potentially when the trade season kind of happens and what things get. I don't expect as much movement as there was with the expansion teams. Um, but yeah, I hope that North is active and throws some stuff around, see what kind of sticks to make sure that they're in the best position to fight for a flag um, this year. And I guess on the other end of the spectrum with the men's is that. I am really interested to see how, um, I think with Noble, uh, I know he's a dirty words sometimes to some North, North fans, <laughs> but I think with Noble there was a lack of vision, there was a lack of game plan. I think you didn't have the group on board, whereas from the outright go of this preseason, even with something as simple as the preseason camp that the boys went on you know, and did that nice kind of, stuff down in Anglesey, it was really nice to watch then have that kick to kick with the fans, uh, you know, post-training. It just seems, I don't know, probably people say this every year, it just seems like it's got different vibes, it's got different energy, um, and you just got, yeah, even even some, something simple as like Will Phillips being back and kind of fit and he's doing some, he's not doing a cracky match yet, but he's definitely kind of during contested ball work and, he, and he's, out and about and doing that sort of stuff. I think that's really positive. It's really exciting. Um, so, yeah, and even, like, you know, seeing Ben Cunnington do match sim and, and you know that he's got a full season ahead of him, I think everyone was just happy that he was doing the, his treatment and he was being really, you know, cautious with himself. And now to think that Cunnington could be one-on-one in the square, you know, that's unreal. Like, that's a very exciting prospect, you know. He could be pushed forward. He could go in the mid and, and teach these kids how to play the game. I just, yeah, I feel very hopeful and very optimistic about how North is travelling thus far during pre-season. So feeling good, Dean, feeling very good. I know we probably do this every pre-season. Um, <laughs> but, but you know what, you've got to have hope. you got to have something yeah, to kind of hang your hat on and and hope. So I guess my final predictions are I think Jai, Jai Simpson will take the reins of the captaincy. Um, and I think that, yeah, Luke will probably push over plus 15 votes in terms of Brownlow votes this year. And um, I'm hoping that North can secure, this is optimistic, but I'd say eight to 12 wins is my uh, is my goal, I think. Hmm. I, haven't, yeah. I, haven't looked, I haven't looked at the fixture recently. so <laughs> Yeah, I haven't looked at, too much in depth at it because, I mean, it depends. Like, you could play, you know, you think you play someone at a decent team, but they could have injuries. They could have just yeah, yeah, it could exactly. be a completely different story. Yeah. So That's so know. true. You never really know, do you? And you, based on yeah, form, people drop, people, you know, clubs can perform outstandingly in 2012. And, you know, I'd be very fascinated to watch someone like a, uh, a Collingwood who I think outperform themselves in 2022 and we'll see, you know, what happens in 2023 and see what, what you know, becomes that club. So, yeah, I just wish there was more content, Dean. I just wish there was more stuff on North because I'm chomping at the bit for anything at the moment. Um, so it's good to have these podcasts and it's good to listen to you and, and definitely have that engagement on Twitter for the best 22. It's been really interesting and really insightful to see everyone's different perspectives, I guess. 
Yeah, 100%. Speaking of um, content, now, you did a few teams last week on Twitter. <laughs> now, I will, we might as well go through these teams. Now, yeah, I think sure. they're really fun because I did, you know, I put out the question, uh, I wanted people to name their best 23 for 2023, and I did a podcast about it, and um, I did a couple of podcasts about it. So, we'll go through your first one. Now, this one says, this is the jigsaw puzzle, puzzle piece to win off the flag, North Melbourne edition. So this is clearly taking a piss thing. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah, yeah this is interesting. This is, and this is not just me. This is, I think, a few people. Are going to <laughs> people are going to put with like, nah, this is it. This is our year. And I, you know what was funny? I miss Polak. I'm really, I'm kicking myself. <laughs> I, I don't even put him in. Like, I remember when he came to the club and I was like, nah, this is it. Even, um, remember Ben McKinley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised you've been doing full forward. Oh, mate, Glenn McKeel. Everyone was just like, no, this is it. This is our year. Yep, this is this is it. This is the one. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the feed now. Hang on. Let me just grab it up. Yeah, so I think I, I had a bit of tongue-in-cheek because I think the best thing that you can do sometimes on Twitter is uh, have a bit of fun with yourself and not yeah, take I'm... yourself way too seriously. You know, some people get on here and just kind of want to, you know, everyone seems angry sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like people wake up and be like, oh, we've got to find a villain today. And I'm like, oh, I'm not your yeah, villain, yeah. Just calm down. Um, but, yeah, I think the the Vickers Willis killed me as well because I thought he was incredibly talented. Um, I thought, yeah, when Joel Tippett came to the club, I put him twice and I made a mistake. <laughs> you really came on him. Yeah, really came. Well, I don't know when he came. I think it was when Kurt Tippett had just made that move to Sydney and it was like maybe one or two years later and I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be so good for our back line and it's going to be incredible. I remember when we drafted um, Atley and there was this whole idea that, you know, he'd be the, this half-back flanker come wing that was going to save us all. And, oh, and I, I'm even embarrassed to tell you how much I thought that Bastanac you know, the funny thing about Bastanac, I don't know whether you follow him on Instagram or on social media. Yeah, he recently got engaged, didn't he? Yeah, but, he, I mean, and good luck to him. He can do what he's wanted. It's his life. But he's gone around raiding all the, like, you know, different types of weed and, and <laughs> walking around Amsterdam at the moment. So yeah, I, yeah. I think he's a bit far off playing a flag for North Melbourne. Have <laughs> <laughs> a mighty Melbourne. Um, yeah, yeah, he's um, he's a, obviously he went to Brisbane as well for a bit of time. Yeah, I just I thought he was going to be. I know he ended getting, and I, he shouldn't base it on games against you know GWS, but I think he polled something like forty three possessions and maybe two goals in his second game against GWS, and I thought, no, nah, we found one here. This is a future Brownlow medalist, and uh, obviously mm. his career probably didn't end up the way that either of us wanted it. But yeah, like someone like Jesse Smith, I think most fans are synonymous with who Jesse Smith is and how much we thought. And he just played by injury, poor guy. Um, even, yeah, I think, you know, Ben Spate, your Digby Morales, your, um, you know, Kieran Harper. And mate, I think another one that's a modern one that I guess people remember because he still plays for St. Cure is, is Mason Wood. And, yeah. um, you know, incredibly fit athlete. Like, he's the type of guy that probably runs, you know, the 2K trial every year and probably breaks records. But I just think that he had – I remember when he kicked four against Sydney ages ago and I thought, oh, my God, this is it. This is the breakout game. This is where we're going to see a key forward for the next 10 years. But, unfortunately, he just kind of never came along, did he? He had a yeah. – um, yeah, he just – I don't know. Couldn't find consistency. Yeah, 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 that's it. He couldn't find consistency. I think there was a lot going in between his, his two ears that really probably kind of 
didn't help. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, even Corey Wagner, I remember that name. And yeah, yeah God, even like, you know, Paula Hearn when we got in from GWS, I think North, to be fair, definitely have a way of kind of recycling players and being able to get a lot out of them. And I think when Ahern came, we thought, this is it. We're going to be able to capitalise on GWS's misfortune here. And, yeah, it just never came good, did they? Just, um... but do you remember that Paul Ahern game in Tasmania where he was against West Coast? He got, like, I think it was like 30-odd touches, kicked three goals, had about 10 clearances. And I thought, oh, this this is the greatest thing ever. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're praising him, sort of saying he's going to be. Yeah, we got him for nothing through GWS, and okay. we're laughing at him for giving him to us. And yeah, he just, he just never. And that was it. That was um, yeah. it was a bit like Billy Ray Cyrus, just that one. Yeah, one day, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is so true. And and again, like you hope that these guys are running around and playing for maybe like Essendon Districts or some other league and, you know, cashing in maybe four or five hundred bucks and, and still getting a bit of money because, yeah, it would suck. It was, imagine going top ten in your draft and then, yeah, just not being able to kind of deliver and kind of build into it. It would be awful. And this, this is another thing I guess we don't talk about a lot in terms of professional athletes and stuff like that is, you know, with the list that I made, I have genuine respect for all the players that, that play for North and, you know, I, I make, this is probably lighthearted and I make fun, but yeah, the other side of it is that what happens when you are, you know, top 10 draft pick or, you know, top 20 and you end up playing, you know, maybe anywhere between 10 to 30 games and that's it. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. it's a fascinating, it'd be fascinating to go and sit down with these these guys, someone like a, you know, a Gavin Urquhart <laughs> yeah. and ask him, well, well, how do you feel? Like what happened or what went right or was it timing? Was it coaching? Was it your body? I guess it's... We'll never know. It's a combination of all those kind of different layers that it takes. And, and that's why I guess you do have even more respect for the guys that go on and play so many games. You know, someone like a Boomer Harvey, games record high, like 432 games. It's just insane. Yeah. Um, he probably could have, could have played another year or two as well, to be honest. Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, that's another obviously great debate, isn't it, that Brad Scott kind of cut short his career and, he could, yeah, he could be very well, probably close to 450 when you think about it. Um, yeah, that is a, that's a, that's another hot topic that we could go on for ages, I guess. Um, but yeah. yeah. Go on, yeah. Oh, sorry. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm having a bit of fun with these. It's, it's funny yeah. that people that want to engage with you and talk to you. And, and again, I, I could get this all wrong, you know. I, I, this is just my opinion. And I've only started watching North since. 90s and I was only a, a young tucker back then so it's fascinating when people kind of you know mess- message you or they want to talk to you about this sort of stuff and I, I think this is the best way to kind of spend an off-season or a pre-season is just kind of having a chat to other fellow supporters talking about you know different types of I guess um, ways that they see North or you know the one that I thought that was really interesting that I got a lot of comments and a lot of different messages on the side was the players that destroyed us and hurt your soul edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll go through that one now. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I missed. Um, I, I thought I thought you didn't name Sam Kerridge, but you, you told me you did in the forward pocket. Yeah, That's why like, oh, I oh, he hurts my soul. There's even another guy. <laughs> I forget whose name is. I didn't want to do it to myself by this point. It was it was a Fremantle player that I think came out and kicked like six goals on debut against us, and then. His career, his whole career fell off a cliff. I never, <laughs> never saw him again. I don't know who he is. I don't know what his name is, but I just remember 
going to Marvel Stadium and Frio beating us by about, I don't know, 20, 25 odd points and just this, their new times kicking seven against us. It was the most frustrating thing in the world. Um, but yeah, no, look, it's, it's a list of different reasons. Like as in, I put Blakey in there because I think whilst he hasn't done significant damage maybe against us physically on the field, I think mentally a lot of people <laughs> are very, uh, very triggered by him obviously picking Sydney and, you know, well, that's okay. I don't mind that at all. Like it, it swings and roundabouts sometimes with father and sons. You know, Geelong could, or Sons Academy could be pretty filthy at Bailey picking us or So we are one of those clubs at the moment that does actually have a fair chunk of father and sons with Archer, McDonald. Um, Cooper Harvey's in there as well, Bailey Scott. So, you know, it's one of those things. It is still a really great rule. I think it's a really fantastic uh, memento to the game. Um, so, yeah, Blakey's in there because, you know, that's a bit of an ouch. And then you got um, Nick Nadanui's in there as a ruck because I just remember him climbing. I, I don't know how he did it. I still to this day, I watched the repeat. It's the last minute of the game, and he climbs on, I think, Lockie Hansen, Ferrito, and someone, maybe Scott McMahon or Scooter Thompson. He climbs on their backs and just takes an unbelievable mark to, and then goes back and kicks the goal. And it's just, oh, it, it wrenches your heart because that was the week after we got done by Petrenko, you know, the famous Petrenko <laughs> goal. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was back-to-back pain. <laughs> like, it was yeah. just... Oh, it's hard to believe that we went through that time period. Um, but it was good. Like I had a couple of people, you know, text about, you know, whoever umpired the 2015 prelim against West Coast should have their own subcategory. And I agree. That was that was heart-wrenching. I was at the Peacock Hotel in Northgate and I was glad that I was in a public because if I wasn't in public, I think the damage that I would have done to my own house would have just been insane. I was incredibly frustrated. I get that when you go to the West, you don't get the rub of the green, but I just felt that game where you were crucified. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we caught some absolute uh, shocking decisions that day. Oh. It really hurt us. I think Luke Shuey got given a goal within 20 metres. Yeah. There's an off a ball holding against Robbie Tarrant that no one no one else in the ground would have seen or, nah, yeah, or anything like that. Just, they put a goal yeah. and... I do and then Jacobs in the last quarter got tripped. Oh, don't even. Yeah, that, that, was, <laughs> that was the one that killed me. That was the one that sent me over the edge. I think I had a pool stick in my hand and I was just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to snap this, so I'm just going to put it down quietly and go to the toilet, which I chose the latter, which I'm glad of. But, um, yeah, yeah that, was, that was hard. I even think, um, again, because I, you know, I was born in 91, so I've only seen that much amount of pain. But, um, you know, someone like Tipper, Tipper Morty, I, I reckon, like, Respect to the guy, but I reckon he bobs up for maybe five good games a year and it's always against North. He yeah, always totally plays out of his skin against North. Like, he mm. just, I think even Brad Scott said to him, like, when he got him back to the club, which I think is wonderful for the game, he's like, you know, I've always been on the losing side of you, Tipper. I'd, I'd like to actually be on the winning side. Um, so I think he's really good. Um, I think Franklin, he's, a, I mean, he's an incredible forward, but I remember him kicking something like 13 goals on. Ferrito and Scooter Thompson one day, I think, down in Tassie. That mm. was just obviously Ablett Senior and Ablett Junior for obvious reasons. I, I just I remember in the early days when Gold Coast Suns were um, just form, like formed and I'd go up, Dad and I would do an away trip together and save up and we'd go to the Gold Coast together because we thought, well, we can lock in a win against the Suns, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. We'll go up north, we'll have a nice weekend together and we'll lock in a win against the Suns. But... 
It was like watching a clinic. Ablett would just, I reckon his average disposal, uh, disposal against us would be 35 plus. He was just a magician. He had the ball on a string the entire time. And not only did he, you know, rack it up and use it well, it also punishes by foot on goal. I reckon he averaged maybe two or three goals against us. He was just sublime. And you, it doesn't hurt so much because he was doing that to everyone, but I think because I watched it on multiple occasions against North, um, that one kind of really hurt. Um, Buckley's in there because he's a snob and we don't like him, <laughs> like you said, for obvious reasons back in 93. Even the coaching thing for me as well, the fact that he was, you know, snubbed us in the coaching, I'm just like, I, I don't mind him as a human being. I just think as a North person, uh, you know, I just, yeah, don't want to borrow him. Um, yeah, Mackie, I think, is an odd one, but I, I just think his sledge against us is, you know, you got to win me. I don't know whether you've heard of it, but it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. hear it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad I, one, though. It's... Oh, it's credit where credit's due. Like, obviously, it stings, but if it's not your team, you have a bit of a cackle and say, yeah, that, that's that's pretty well done by you, Mackie. Um, and look, you know, he played for Geelong in a, in a prime period where they just absolutely creamed everyone. So, yeah, it's, it's got a bit of for everyone. I, I think Gungston, a, a lot of people said Border Hocking was missing, and I agree. I think that's one that was that seems like people can definitely think that. Um, who else did people say? Um I remember an Adelaide Crows player, Ian Perry. He was like a centre-half yeah. forward. Yeah, he, was, he could that. only kick a ball about 30 metres, but every time he played against us, he kicked four or five goals. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, we, we always got massacred by him. Yeah, it seemed to be the Adelaide Crows players, like Jared Petrenko, yeah. who seemed to go nowhere in his career. No. Um, yeah. yeah, Sam Perry, uh, never kicked a goal except against us, kicked six and four. Yeah, um, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? Like, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and then I think people alerted to me to um, Jarman, Darren Jarman in the 98 grand final, um, yeah. which, yeah, one of those things I think it, it's it's hard because when I watched the grand finals, I was too young. I was definitely too young to appreciate 96. And then 99, I think, I think the prime age to enjoy a grand final is when You've seen your, your your club struggle a bit, go through the you know go through the rebuild, have the ups and downs, and then you finally kind of come out of it. Whereas I was eight years old, or oh, actually no, I was I was closer to nine years old when I watched North win the first grand final. So I'm way too young to kind of understand the the enormity of it all, I guess. So in my head, you know, I still got it on VHS and I, I still watch the highlights and I still def- definitely enjoy it, but. When people bring back really good memories of North and they, they say, you know, the grand finals, I don't think I can 100% say I, I realise the significance and the gravity of it, whereas I 100% know what it meant, and this is on a small scale, but the 2014 elimination final is almost like my version of the grand final because that to me was just and you know that's just an elimination you know so it's not even that it's a big deal because Essendon and we came back and you know it's magical but you know that was probably the first time watching North um, and going through all that we'd been going through as a club to really actually understand how much finals mean let alone you know a grand final so yeah, it's kind of swings and roundabouts. Didn't really get to suffer in what was, you know, the 94 prelim with Abbott Senior or the 98 grand final kicking, you know, that many points. But, 
also probably didn't really actually get to enjoy 96 or 99 as much as you know the average you know north melbourne supporter got to as well so mm. i guess she's hoping for one soon enough because I've, I've i've seen enough now dean i've definitely yeah. seen enough it's yeah. not i've paid my dues i definitely feel like if there was you know uh, yeah it, it's time now <laughs> yeah, i mean the good thing about finishing last you can only go up that's um, it. That's it. That's you can't get any worse. So. Yeah, that's actually an incredibly, uh, yeah, positive and optimistic approach. Yeah, I, like I said, I think there'll be games next year where yeah, you kind of it'll be it'll be just nice from a baseline level to watch an experienced coach uh, take a young side because I do think it is quite young uh, with a lot of raw talent and see what so what's up the sleeve, see what we've got underneath the the hood of the car because I think for a long time now. We've just had different drivers and not really sure like sure what speed or where we're going with the car, but it feels like potentially, finally, fingers crossed, um, we have a fair few people at the helm that know what they're doing and, and the car's back on track. So good times ahead, Dean. Good times ahead. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think, um, yeah, look, yeah, I mean, like I said initially, we can only go up from here. Uh, it's an exciting young list, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, and we've got uh, yeah, probably the best game, uh, best coach of the modern modern era, to be honest with you, in the last yeah. you know, in the last twenty thirty years. So there's no more excuses anymore. Um, nah. The players have got to take it now. So yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah so. you're so right. Actually, you're right. There's there's that kind of for a while there's been like oh it's the coach it's the upheaval it's the caretaker it's this it's like nah game's on buddy that we've got the right people in the right place now let's see you put it all kind of together so yeah it'll yeah. be interesting it'll be very very interesting right so look forward to it though yeah 100 percent uh anyways claire i think i've held you up enough uh tonight um we've talked about our cr- failing cricketing <laughs> so um, nothing wrong with that uh we've talked about uh, a couple of your teams as well that you yeah. come up with um we'll, we'll get you back on soon anyway we'll talk yeah, about absolutely. your point too. Oh, look, I, the more North Melbourne co- content in the moment, the better, Dean. Who knows? I'll probably be listening to myself tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I need more and more content. No, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's really nice to have your podcast in the um, the off-season to kind of, yeah, connect with everyone that is North Melbourne and, and, you know, stay in cahoots with each other because, yeah, it's a bit long without having AFLW during the, the men's season. So it's nice to, to have a chat with like-minded people. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, like you said, um, I, I appreciate the nice words um, as well from you, Claire. But, uh, yeah, it's it's always a pleasure getting you on, uh, talking about uh, not just the AFLW, but the AFL men's this time as well, which is good. So, yeah, yeah we're certainly hoping uh, the season can roll around uh, quickly and soon. So we'll, uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, anyways, Claire, I'll let you go. Um, and I'm sure I'll chat to you soon. Thanks, Dean. See you later, mate. Have a good one. See you, so thank you very much to Claire for coming on the show once again. So a bit of a roundabout episode where we had talked about a number of different things. Um, there was talking about cricketing careers, um, our cricketing careers, probably uh, a little bit of a disappointing cricketing career. Uh, particularly speaking for myself, I'm not so sure about Claire. She might have uh, yeah, undersold herself. Uh, we talked about a bit of tennis. Um, so it was AFL men's, AFLW, so there was a lot of talk. Uh, anyways, that's it for this episode. This will be the only episode this week. I'm away for the rest of the week. I'm going away with my family um, up to the peninsula for a few days um, before they go back to school. So that'll be good to get away. And 
that yeah, that's it. I'll be back next week uh, to talk about something. Um, it is right in the heart of off season, so there's not much to talk about. So I hope you lovely listeners got uh, something out of this episode. Once again, thank you for all the retweets, likes, comments, lovely comments you guys put for the show. Um, it's helping it grow, and I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful that all you love listeners do that. So, yeah, no, I can't ask for anything more than that. So that's it. So today, I will leave a shout-out to Anthony Stevens. Bye for now.